Can you hear me? Great. Okay. Oh, and breathe. Okay. I just want to read a passage to you from Corinthians. That's okay. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Bill. Where are you so I can get a visual on you? Okay. Maintain eye contact throughout. Okay, I'm going to need it this morning. (laughs) This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in in on God's master stroke, this is from the message, so it's kind of cool. Um, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death. If you want the truth of it... And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else. I'll get it together, don't worry. Let's keep going. But the message came through anyway. God's spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power not to some fancy mental or emotional framework by me or anyone else. And the reason why I've started that with this morning is, um, you may have gathered I'm struggling a little bit today. Um, I've been carrying a lot of anxiety for a few weeks. Uh, Not that aware of it, I didn't think, but it's been manifesting with a really tight chest, um, struggling to get my breath, um, just general anxiety. And I had a horrible panic attack as we were praying this morning. Um, before we came out here and just couldn't breathe and got very sweaty and I think it's just a a combination of of a bit of pent-up anxiety to do with work and um, and then standing up this morning so I just I just want to start by saying I can guarantee one thing I can't promise you any eloquence this morning very much wisdom very much knowledge Um, but actually our message this morning is about the power of God And I think he's already made that pretty clear this morning through the words he's brought. So there's no doubt of what the theme of this morning is. So with that, I'm going to press on. Oh, okay. Um, We're looking at... um, Chris and I this morning are going to look at two stories, two healing stories. um, And we're just going to unpick it a little bit. And then Chris is going to help us draw some parallels from the two stories. And then we're going to have a time where we're going to respond um, to that. So... My first one is from, um, my, my story is from Mark 3. Um, where's my buzzer? There it is. Um, another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. I'll pop that out, it should come up. There we go. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal them on the Sabbath. Just going to nip back up, sorry. Then Jesus asked them, sorry, bear with me, watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Okay. So the Pharisees were well aware of what Jesus had been doing up to this point. They'd heard and witnessed 
healings, teachings. On this occasion, they were, they were questioning what he was going to do. Why particularly on this occasion? Because it was a Sabbath day, a day of rest, a holy day. Now, the Pharisees were obsessed with law. Um, it formed most of their thinking. It was the basis of most of their teachings, certainly their behaviours, their routines. And the Sabbath was part of law. In Exodus 20, Jesus speaks out the commandments. And in verse 8, he tells us, um, it tells us, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the Sabbath was law. And the Pharisees were, as I say, obsessed with the law. They'd have had this discussion at some point somewhere. They'd have had this discussion. At some point, Jesus is going to be somewhere on a Sabbath and there's going to be a sick person. What's he going to do? The Pharisees would have had this conversation. He wouldn't dare heal on the Sabbath, would he? Or would he? If he did, well then. And that's where it was. That's where the challenge was. The Pharisees were looking for an opportunity to accuse Jesus. They knew it was going to come. Jesus would have known it was coming. He'd have known. Ratio of sick people. There's a Sabbath once every seven days. It was highly likely. It wouldn't have surprised him. What are the odds of a sick person being in a synagogue on a Sabbath day? Well, thanks to my dad and a misspent youth in the betting shops of Weymouth um, for a number of years. I've worked out the odds for you. (laughs) I've moved on. It's a skill that I've banked. Um, No, seriously, just, just... just to give you an idea of how likely it would have been, the third, you know, a third of the population of England at the moment has a chronic illness. A third of our population has a chronic illness that requires treatment. In the US, that's half of the population has got a chronic illness. Let's take that number. I know it probably would have been different then. There wouldn't have been the same illnesses, but then they wouldn't have had the same treatment. So let's just base it on that. A third of the population. Now, very clever people who study this have told me that the population of Galilee around about Jesus' time would have been about 700,000. I don't know, that sound about right? Okay, some clever people said, so it must be. If you work that out, let's say there were 200 people in the synagogue, let's say it was a meeting roughly this size, there would have been 60 to 70 people at that meeting with a chronic illness. This was going to happen. This was going to happen, and Jesus wasn't going to avoid being in a synagogue on a Sabbath in case there might be a sick person there. Okay, let's move on a little bit. This is an opportunity here for Jesus to demonstrate his power. Now, he doesn't shrink away from the situation, quite the opposite. He says to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now, just tell me, who can see Florence from where they're sat? Don't make a point of standing up and looking for her. If you know Florence, put your hand up if you've got a visual on Florence. Okay, all right, so not many of you, maybe 30, 40 of you have got a visual on Florence. Just stand up a moment, Flo. Come and stand, just come and stand next to me and avoid the wires and the... Okay, who's got a visual on Florence now? Everybody can see Florence. Thanks, you can go now. (laughs) We practised for hours. Okay, now Jesus could have done this quietly. He could have said... To the man with the shriveled hand, come on over here. We'll just come on over. I could have gone over. He could have brought his disciples. Let's just get round. Let's just pray for Flo. Let's just pray for this guy. 
could have said, let's, let's take you to a side room. Let's do this privately. No. Jesus is very clear that he wants this to be public. He wants everybody to see. Come and stand in front of everybody. He wanted this to be public. Jesus was about to make a very significant point, and it wasn't just the healing of the man with the withered hand. So the man with the withered hand is stood there. Jesus is there. The Pharisees are there. Everyone's waiting to see what happens. Everybody knows that this time was coming. And he gives the Pharisees another opportunity to answer. He's had this discussion before. If you look at the end of Mark 2, they've had this argument two or three times about the Sabbath. So this isn't a new argument. He says to them again, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? To save lives or to kill? And what do the Pharisees say? Nothing. They've got nothing to say. They stay silent. Jesus is in disbelief that these wise, intelligent, knowledgeable men cannot answer this question, will not answer this question. That they would stand there with a sick guy in front of them and say, because of the law, this guy can't be healed. Because of the law, Jesus won't do good. Can't do good? Won't do good? Because of the law, Jesus is in disbelief. In the verses before, when he challenged them about the Sabbath, he'd said to them, the Sabbath was made to serve man, not man to serve the Sabbath. And yet here it is, this Sabbath is holding back the work of God. They're allowing it to hold back the work of God. Jesus is really frustrated with the Pharisees. In verse 5, it says, He looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. They can't see what's before them, or rather, actually, they can see what's before them, but they choose to not believe this. What comes next is actually in the same breath, and the reason why I've, I asked Chris to separate the verse was that the next verse is actually, or the, the next part of the sentence is, um, he looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. That command to stretch out your hand came in the same breath as Jesus' anger and his distress. It doesn't say at any point he was angry and deeply distressed. So he took a moment and composed himself, counted to ten, like we tell the children, like we tell the adults, turned to the man and said, brother, stretch out your hand. No, he was angry, deeply distressed, gives you a picture. It would have looked something like this. Stretch out your hand. It would have come as an angry command. He was cross. Why did God, why did Jesus heal out of anger in that moment? Because the very authority of God had been challenged by the Pharisees. The very authority of God. The Pharisees have misused the law, the meaning of the Sabbath, and made it more important than doing good. I just want to read a quick illustration to you. I don't doubt you'll have heard this before. I, I had when I came across it, but I think it's just helpful for us. I'm going to end with that, and then Chris is going to come and help us with his his story. 
Two battleships assigned to the training squadron had been at sea on manoeuvres in heavy weather for several days. A young officer was serving on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor with patchy fog, so the captain remained on the bridge keeping an eye on all activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing reported light bearing on the starboard bow. Is it steady or moving astern, the captain called out. The lookout replied, steady, captain, which meant they were on a dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signalman, signal that ship. We're on a collision course, advise you change course 20 degrees. Back came the signal, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, send this. I'm a captain, change your course 20 degrees. I'm a seaman second class, came the reply. You'd better change your course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, send this. I'm a battleship, change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light. I'm a lighthouse, you change your course. <laughs> I think it serves as a helpful illustration, doesn't it, of God's authority. The Pharisees challenged it. And this story makes a public declaration of Jesus' authority. The Pharisees' question was, would Jesus dare to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus' response, how dare you question God's authority? Which way are you going? Just do a little dance up here while we swap. Thanks, Nick. It was really interesting when we were preparing for this morning. We both came to our stories independently. And Nicola's shared what God spoke to her about. I'm going to share a different story and what God spoke to me about in that. And as I do, you're going to see there are a lot of parallels. You need to move this. So the story I'm going to read is, again, a familiar story to many. It's from Luke 5. Um, And I'm going to read the whole story, and then I'm going to take you through verse by verse, just as Nicola did. So Luke 5, 5, verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. You can already start to see the parallels. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. To heal those who were ill. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat came And they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. But when they couldn't find a way to do it, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. And they lowered the man on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who's this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. And asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralysed man, I tell you, because that's the way they spoke back then, I tell you, lo, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. 
a very different story, but actually telling a lot of very similar truths. So I'm just going to go through, just as Nicola has, go through a verse at a time, and we're going to pick out some parallels. So the first part, Jesus is teaching. So this is verse 17, I think. Jesus is teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers are sitting there. A common occurrence, as we've seen. Um, But the problem is that somebody needs to encounter Jesus in power. And he's stuck outside on a mat with no way of getting in. The people inside are there listening to Jesus teach. They're filling their heads with knowledge. And do you know what it says? The teachers of the law had come from every village. So there were probably, most of the people sat there in the front several rows and filling up the aisles were just there to listen to what Jesus had to say. But the power of God was with Jesus to heal. Those people were in the way of what Jesus was there to do. They were there for academic interest, not for a personal experience. So, question, why are you here today? Are you here to hear what Nicola and I have to say? As she ably mentioned earlier, we're not that clever. (laughs) There are many cleverer people than us you could listen to, to find stuff out. Or are you here to encounter Jesus? There's an experience of Jesus' power that is available for everybody. For healing, to free you from oppression. But do we get in the way of that happening? And how do we get in the way of that happening? Are we like the Pharisees, filling up the front rows and stopping the people that need to experience the power getting before Jesus? It's just a a thought to hold in your mind for a moment. So we'll move on. We've got the guy sat outside, or lying outside on the mat, with his mates that have brought him along. And they're thinking, well, how on earth do we get him to Jesus? We can't even get through the front door. We might as well just go home and come back another time. There's probably more deserving people anyway. We'll just try another time. We'll come back another time. Yeah? Is that, 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 that may be what we'd be inclined to do. But do you know what? That's not what they said. They said, Jesus isn't here to give us more knowledge about him. He's here in power to heal. We came for an encounter. We're going to get an encounter. We're not here to listen to whatever we can catch from the back. We're here to get Jesus to heal. Because that's what he's here for. Loads of people can talk about Jesus. We can talk about Jesus. Because we've spent time with him because we've listened to him because we've read the Bible and all that's good but these friends we can learn something from these friends they knew that it was an encounter with Jesus that this man needed so rather than saying it's too hard it can't be done it's too much of a challenge they were almost rude they were almost tenacious they didn't want to let anything get in their way so What did they do? They ripped the roof off. (coughs) Let me say that again. It's not their house. Okay. They've just come along and they've ripped the roof off. Don't let that point get past you. They had done something that was probably illegal. 
that was certainly going to land them with a bit of a hefty bill because they knew that Jesus was there to heal. Jesus was there with power to heal, not just to teach. They didn't wait to be invited. They just got stuck in and took the roof off. They interrupted what was being said. They probably upset and offended a lot of people by ripping the roof off. They didn't let anything stop them. So what's stopping us? Is it unbelief? We don't really believe Jesus is going to heal. We've seen it too many times before. We've prayed and nothing's happened. Is that what we're afraid of? Or are we afraid that something will happen? And all of a sudden, all my excuses have gone. I have to actually... You know, I mean, are we afraid that something might happen? I'm going to have to tell people. I'm going to have to stand up and say, do you know what, this was wrong with me and now Jesus has healed me. Is that what we're afraid of? We need to get rid of those things. We need to rip that roof wide open and get in front of Jesus. As Nicola said, it's clear and it's public and it's visible. These friends had so much faith that they were prepared to demolish somebody's house to get their friend in front of Jesus. But Jesus isn't stood on this platform in bodily form like he was then. So what does it look like to get somebody in front of Jesus now? Well, those of us that believe in him have his spirit living in us. I have the spirit of Jesus living in me and the spirit of Jesus in me has power to heal. It's not about a gift, it's not about me, it's about the spirit of Jesus living in us. So we can bring people to Jesus by praying for them, by laying our hands on them, by being honest about what it is that we believe he can do so that faith is built so that people can come before Jesus and get an encounter. It's not about coming to the front. It's not about coming to a building. It's not about physically taking a roof off. It's about actually saying, do you know what? I'm stopping people getting to Jesus because I'm not praying for them. I'm not taking him to them. It's a real challenge. It's challenged me this week. Get people in front of Jesus. Now here's an interesting little... This, is, this isn't what I was expecting as I read through. And we're talking, this is a series about healing miracles. What did Jesus do? This man, clearly paralysed, on a mat, huge amount of faith, hole in the roof, what's going on? Homeowners looking for the insurance papers. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. He didn't heal him. He forgave his sins. And that speaks about what Jesus came for. He didn't come primarily to heal physical sickness in the short term. But he came to heal our long term, our eternal sickness of separation from God. That's the healing that Jesus came to do. And that's what he did here. The faith that his friends showed 
was that Jesus had power. He was the only one that could help their friend. And so they got their friend in front of Jesus for an encounter. But the real purpose of that encounter was that that friend met with Jesus. That Jesus would change that friend's life. Your sins are forgiven. That's a massive thing to say. And we know that the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the experts, the religious elite would have been absolutely fuming. Very similar to what Nicola was saying. They knew that forgiving sin is something that only God can do. So this man stood, on, stood at the front of this room, surrounded by rubble and dust, with a, with a paralysed man on a mat, forgave his sins. Only God can do that. Who does this man think he is? Do you know what? They didn't believe who he claimed to be. They had their clever and well-constructed arguments, but ultimately, what they were doing was deflecting people away from the person who could save them. That's what they were doing. They were deflecting people away from Jesus. They were deflecting people away from God. Jesus knew this. He must have known it was going to come, as Nicola said. But he also knew that he needed to demonstrate publicly and visibly who he was. He knew that if he healed the man, then that would demonstrate that he had authority over sickness. And that authority over sickness is something only God has. So he said to the man, uh, so he said to them, what is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Well, it's a rhetorical question. Of course, it's much easier to say your sins are forgiven because how on earth can anyone prove whether that has happened? All they can do is say, do you know what? This man's talking nonsense. Ignore everything he says. But if he says get up and walk and the man gets up, then they cannot question his authority. The healing power that Jesus had was proof of his authority. It wasn't about healing the man. So Jesus says, I want you to know that I have authority. So he says to the man, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on and went home. A clear, public, visible demonstration of the power of God at work through Jesus in that moment, which left no one in any doubt that he was God, that he had authority over sickness, and therefore he had authority over sin. No one else in that room had the authority to forgive sin and to heal that person from the eternal sickness of separation from God that they were suffering. No one. No one in that room could deny that he had done that miracle. No one. The healing was a demonstration that Jesus was and is God. And how did the people respond? Well, you'll notice a difference between Nicola's story and my story. The man got up and went home praising God. The people went home praising God, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Do you know what? This healing miracle pointed a whole load of people to Jesus. 
And they went away believing in him, believing who he was. The healing miracle caused one man to be healed. Great. But actually it caused many people to have a power encounter with Jesus. So let me very quickly draw some parallels and then I want us to respond. We've got 10 minutes or so, so I'm going to be quite quick. What are the parallels we can see in the two stories? Well, first of all, Jesus has authority. Very clearly come through. Jesus is God. He has the authority of God to forgive sins. He has the authority to heal. It was demonstrated clearly and visibly. When people saw the healing, they knew that he had authority. But the stories also say that it's all about an encounter with Jesus. This is not, healing is not about healing. Healing is all about pointing to God. The stories show us that this is all about an encounter with Jesus. Okay? And that's what we're going to be looking for. What we should be looking for. But an encounter with Jesus is through the Spirit being in us. So we don't need to take people to a particular place where Jesus is stood there surrounded by dust and rubble to get them an encounter with Jesus. We have Jesus living in us. The Spirit of Jesus in us has the power of Jesus to heal and to set free. But there are many obstacles in the way. Whether it's the law, whether it's the crowds listening, or whether it's a roof. We either, we either need to recognise that we're in that crowd and get out of the way, or we need to recognise that Jesus is the other side of the crowd and we need to rip off the roof. Let's not be British about it, okay? Those of us that are British, you'll know what I mean, and sit back with our arms folded and say, hmm, it's busy in here today. Good numbers. Shame we can't get to the front. Maybe next week. Get people out the way and rip the roof off. But also we have a choice of how we respond. Are we going to respond like the Pharisees? Or are we going to respond like the people in the second story? We only have two choices. Either we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and we respond in belief, and we respond by going to him to have a power encounter, or we respond like the Pharisees did, and we say, do you know what, I don't believe that Jesus is who he says he was. And we do everything in our power to get him out of the picture. Those are the two responses. There is no response that says, well, you know, I like what he's saying. It's okay. I'll leave it till next time. Or it's not really for me. We're either against what Jesus says because we don't believe that he is God. Or we do believe that he is God and we respond accordingly. And we're going to respond now. I'm not going to ask the band to come up. Because do you know what? They need to have an encounter as well. We all do. The guys in the, the AV room at the back, they need to have an encounter. So do I want them to be focusing on making sure the sound's right? Not really, no. I'm not going to ask for any particular special response because do you know what? Each one of us needs an encounter with Jesus. Not an encounter with some words on a screen or an encounter with some music that we're listening to. We need an encounter with Jesus. Okay? 
And that means that those of us who have the spirit of Jesus living in us need to be taking him to people for them to encounter him. But that encounter is going to look different for everybody. It might be that you have a physical sickness which needs to be healed. So ask for it to be healed. And then let's have a public visible demonstration of the power of God at work. It might be praying for somebody. But don't do it in a corner where only eight or ten people can see. It's a public demonstration of the power of Jesus at work. I know that one or two have words of knowledge. And I believe that Jesus is going to speak specific things that he wants to do this morning, publicly and visibly. Taking a bit of a chance on this one. But I believe that's what he's going to do. Get rid of any obstacles that are in the way. Okay? If you're sat here just listening from an academic perspective, I'm not going to judge you, but don't let that stop other people receiving what God has for them and encountering him, please. But if you're sat there thinking, oh, do you know what, I just I can't quite do it today, just remember these four friends that wouldn't let a crowd of religious leaders and an insurance policy and, you know, the law of the land stop them taking a roof off a house to get to Jesus. It's a clear, public, visible demonstration of faith in a God who wants to make a clear, public demonstration of power. If you're a visitor, if it's your first time here, please don't be freaked out. Feel free to sit and watch. I'm not going to... We're not, nobody's going to be looking at what anybody else is doing, okay? But if you want prayer, if, you have some, if, if you're in need of an encounter with Jesus this morning, then don't let this opportunity go without having that encounter. Um, I know that Steve had a couple of words of knowledge or a couple of things that he wanted to share about specific people. If, if there's anybody else that feels that God has given them something that may be specific for somebody to pray for, or a specific word of knowledge about a particular sickness, could you come up now? Guys at the back, if you want to put the, just the music on quietly once we've had the words of knowledge, that would be excellent. Have we got a mic? Do you want to go for it? Uh, yeah, very, very simply, I just um, felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. Um, uh, sounds daft phrase, but there's somebody who's seeing stars, a dizziness or... Uh, maybe a blurriness of vision, but seeing stars, I believe the Lord wants to set you free from that. Might be connected with migraine headaches, those kinds of things. And just uh, while Max was speaking, I'd love to pray with people that, that are just stuck, either needing God's provision, needing breakthrough in their work. Um, we heard his story. There's a, a clear invitation to come. Come to me, Jesus said, out on the water. You remember what Max said? I'd love to just pray for breakthrough in, in that situation. It's not physical healing, but a, a demonstration of God's provision and, and care. So those two things, seeing stars and breakthrough in work. Yep. Um, it's slightly more vague than that, but um, I had a picture of a hedgehog and an armadillo. Um, and there's whether it's two people or two groups of people, but whatever difficulty you're facing, hedgehogs and armadillos both like curl up into little balls um, and the hedgehog is like prickly and maybe that, that word prickly um, reflects how you're dealing with the situation. Um, and armadillo is like armour and it just locks everything out and shuts down. Um, so maybe that 
refers to how you're dealing with a situation. Um, and God was just saying, until you stretch out and uncurl, you can't feed, you can't drink, and you can't move forward in any direction. You might roll around, but it's entirely random. Um, so if, that refer- if either of those ones, the hedgehog or the armadillo, um, refers to either of you, then, yeah, I'd love to pray for you. Okay, so we've had a couple of, a couple of things that God is specifically saying. And when God specifically speaks into those situations, if that's you... Don't let fear or anything else stop you, okay? What I'd like you to do, what I'd like us to do, is, is respond by coming to Jesus. Now, sometimes that means that we have to do something physical to demonstrate what we're doing, okay? I'm not just going to say come to the front, because that sometimes means, do you know what, you're coming to the front, people at the front will pray. There's loads of us in the room that have the spirit of Jesus in us that has the power to heal, but I would like you to get up out of your seats to move around and to pray for one another. Either be prayed for or pray for somebody else. But this needs to be a visible visible demonstration of the power of God at work to heal. And when we've done, I want people to come up here and tell stories of what's happened. Okay? That might sound really scary. But actually, the stories that we share are going to build faith in others for them to meet with Jesus today. So do we want to see... Jesus encounter people in power to heal this morning? Do we want to see people encountering Jesus with the power to be saved this morning and to go into an eternal relationship with him? So let's pray for one another now. Let's get on the feet. Come to the front if that helps. Find someone else to pray for. Don't start moving now while I'm talking. Start moving around. Start praying for people. Start praying for people. Come to the front. There are going to be guys at the front who will be happy to pray with you. And then when Jesus does something this morning, public and visible, come to me and we will share that story to grow faith in others. Let's go. Let's get the music on just quietly. And you guys can come out of the...